you are listening to Dear Parliament with Rob Hutchinson because democracy doesn't just happen. And welcome back to 101.9 High FM. I'm chatting today with a fantastic, fantastic guest, uh, Karen Herodine. Welcome, Karen. Trust you are well. Hi, I'm good. Thanks, Rob. Hope you can hear me okay. All good on our side. Fantastic. Yeah. Lovely to have you, have you on. I was just introducing you on earlier before, before the, the break to, to our listeners and discussing your wonderful portfolio and interesting, interesting history. You've certainly traveled a lot around the world. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, yes, I have lived in more countries than I ever thought possible. It's just been quite an extraordinary, I, I hate to use the word because it's so cliched, a journey. But it's been a real privilege to do it, and it's really opened up my eyes. And I think in some way it's helped my writing because I've been exposed to so many different cultures and societies that it, I think it gives me an insight into into what is happening on a global level. So it's been a mad ride, but I'm grateful for it. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. Yes. I was also chatting Oh, in, in the intro about how social media has actually narrowed, narrowed up our point of view and, and our vision on it. Yet you have toured the world. So as you say, you have seen, seen things for as they are. And there's, there's no doubt that you can't trust anything unless you see it with, with your own eyes. And, yes. And wealth is definitely measured in experience, which you most <laughs> certainly have. Thank now, you, you. You, you write for quite an interesting publication. Well, you can't, you're one of the major contributors to, um, the conservative woman. What brought your, your career on there? What, what's your, your main focus? Well, when I was in South Africa, um, I actually did an undergrad degree in journalism, but then just left that behind and went to do a master's in anthropology at WITS. And shortly after that, I immigrated to the UK. Um, after I got married, several years later, I said to my husband that I wanted to start studying again. And there was a a postgraduate diploma in journalism at the local university where we were living. And I decided to do that. Shortly after I finished that, my husband got a job in Singapore. Off I went with him. I couldn't work in Singapore because of spousal visa restrictions. But I'd been following TCW since it had started. And I sent them a blog idea um, and they liked it. And that was in March 2016. And thank God they've been letting me write for them since. And, uh, you know, over the years, particularly, you know, being Jewish and uh, very much a lot of my focus has been writing about the perils of anti-Semitism. Um, I have followed a lot of news, you know, publications and websites for decades, particularly looking at this particular interest and um, so I've always been kind of globally aware if that makes sense <laughs> but TCW kindly gave me a great start into the world of writing and I'm grateful for that. Oh, and, and your readers certainly are too I'm sure. And you, you. <laughs> you've, covered, you've covered some amazing topics I mean from from a lot of shenanigans with the with the China Communist Party right through yes. to uh, climate change, and lately you've been incredibly vocal about, say, the COVID restrictions or unnecessary restrictions yes. ar- around that. Have you received much much um, say flack from yes. from, the, from the legacy media about that? Well, I wouldn't say. You know, I certainly I. 
I don't really feature much in the legacy media or the MSN, but I have found that, you know, on social media and actually sadly previous supporters of my work on anti-Semitism have been horrified in my stance on lockdowns and my criticism of the CCP's propaganda with regard to lockdown. Um, and I have had a lot of abuse on social media, but that is the lot of a writer. <laughs> you just have to learn to cope with it. But, I mean, I have been, almost for two years, been utterly horrified at the destruction of economies and societies in the name of a virus with a low mortality rate. And it's just the the horrific consequences of what is really CCP propaganda, lockdowns are not scientific. They've never been used in the Western world before. They are tools of authoritarian control and have no place in disease control. To watch one country after the other fall for the CCP's demand of placing them under lockdown, quarantining healthy people, which has never happened before, and it's it's devastating to watch the fallout from this. Something I warned in November 2020 in one of my pieces for TCW where I said lockdowns are a crime against humanity and far more people will suffer and die from the consequences of these authoritarian tools of control than ever will from COVID-19. And the statistics prove me right. Yeah, they have without a doubt. Without a doubt, done that. Look, I think you have, you've had a, you've been in a unique position where you've had a unique insight into it due to your, your study investigation into the CC, the CCP. Yes. Um, tell us a bit more, more about that. I mean, most of us accepted the narrative as, as soon as it came out. And by most of us, I mean the vast majority of us, including myself, we all fell for it. We accepted, oh, this is, this is a, a real virus. It's a real pandemic. We were told so oh. by, by authorities and so on. Yet, yeah. yet we fell for it. Yet we, we accepted the lockdown and then some of us started to question it. Did you question it right from the beginning? Well, this is what happened. I've never said that COVID-19 is not real. I've always said that it is a pandemic, but the, but at a very, with a very low mortality rate as the statistics show. The whole thing is, which is something very interesting, um, one thing I do want to point out is that the Great Barrington Declaration, which has received so much abuse from the legacy media, is actually really similar to a lot of countries' pandemic plans um, before they threw out their pandemic plans and fell for the CCP's propaganda. If you have a look at the UK pandemic plan from 2011, it's very, very similar to the Great Barrington Declaration. Now, the reason I point this out is because these plans were abandoned in favor of what the CCP told the rest of the world. I've been writing on the Chinese Communist Party for several years. They are an abhorrent regime. They imprison Muslims in concentration camps. It absolutely appalls me that the rest of the world is quiet, particularly our fellow should not be quiet about other faiths being put in concentration camps on the basis of their own faith. It absolutely horrifies me. The um, CCP not only persecutes Muslims, but Christians and Jews. I have, I have written about that quite a bit. And the one thing about the CCP is that they are fiercely colonialist power, not only in the South China Sea, which is something I've written over on about, but also in Africa and the Middle East. Now, they, they 
use their colonialism through economic colonialism called their Belt and Road Initiative. And if you go back into having a look at how many Western countries stopped employing people in their own countries, shipped their factories, etc., to China where things are much cheaper to produce, and then China sells that back to the to Westerners at a higher price. So basically, the, our governments, our uh, captain of industries, etc., trying to make a quick buck, have sold out their own countries by moving their industries to China, which has enriched the CCP, which in turn has very cleverly bought up assets everywhere throughout the globe. Look at Belt and Road Initiative. And basically, most countries now will dance to the CCP's tune because they are indebted to the CCP via the economic colonialism called the Belt and Road Initiative. So when the CCP demanded that everyone must listen to them about COVID-19 and we've locked down Wuhan and everything like that and sent out propaganda pictures of people dropping dead in the street, I would encourage everybody to look at Michael Singer's seminal work on CCP propaganda when it comes to COVID-19. He wrote a piece for Tablet Magazine. Essential, essential reading. So all of that was sent out to all these governments. Most of them fell for it. Most of them were probably instructed by the CCP and various bad actors to send the, to send their countries into lockdown. When it happened, myself personally, because of the knowledge, I guess, and the writings I have done about the CCP, I was very dubious about the fact that we kept seeing, you know, videos coming up from China, people dropping dead in the street, because the CCP controls the internet there. So they will not allow anything to come out of China which could embarrass China. So I knew then that the CCP was up to no good, because they would only release something like videos of people dropping dead in the street or people being locked in their homes, if it benefited China, which it has. I mean, China is now set to become the world's superpower and the West has crushed their economies and their societies on the basis of propaganda from China. And that that basically, I'd say, sums it up. Hope I've answered your question properly. Without a doubt. And 32. <laughs> Look, there's no doubt, if I can comment on that, there's no doubt that um, China has benefited from this. Their their economy is, is mostly, or in fact, wholly consumer-driven and yes. relies on, on, on a, a, a or I should say, a strong and flourishing global economy, or, yes. or or does it? Or does it? Because if we look at look at the whole the whole pandemic, which country ha- has actually gained out, out of this uh, economy wise? And that would obviously be, be China, while the rest of the world has has locked down, destroying destroying their economies. China's has exactly. grown. Exactly. And what China does with the BRI is uh, is that, that it buys up assets, infrastructure, etc. And if those uh, countries default on payments back to China, well, China will tell them what to say at the UN. I've written about this for TCW. So China is not only economically being colonialist, but diplomatically too. I don't know how many of your listeners will know, but China signed a... 25-year economic agreement with Iran to invest in Iran's um, infrastructure, which gives money to the horrific Iranian regime. And at the same time, Iran will sell 
oil to China as a discounted price. So this is a dangerous, dangerous uh, regime uh, who's totally focused on China's interests. They are now our own 21st century superpower, and people should be scared. This is what frustrates me about locked, what I call lockdown zealots and covert cultists. <laughs> the more they scream for lockdowns and unnecessary mass mandates, etc., the more that they are doing the CCP's dirty work for them, and the more they are harming millions around this world who will suffer from this. No doubt about that. And yeah, it's some some listeners might think this is pure conspiracy theory territory, but I assure you, it, it, it isn't. For those, no, those it's who not because take look, you can anybody find exactly. You need to look at the CCP, what it does. The Bolton Road Initiative, I mean, the information is out there. There's, there's nothing, you know, we don't know whether China released the virus on purpose or not, but it's certainly been opportunistic. There's no conspiracy theory when it comes to the CCP. They are fervent colonists. China comes first to them, and they are very, very dangerous, made more dangerous by the weakening of the West economies and societies. Without a doubt. And we, we can see that in, in other initiatives of, of theirs as well. The, yes. the whole world is being um, drawn into this green and renewable energy initiative and getting, yes. getting, getting rid of coal. Yet here is yes. China, who have built exactly. 300 coal-fired, coal-fired power stations exactly. over the past year. They don't care. Uh, you know, they, they, they do have, I've written about this as well for TCW, they do actually have a few green investments, so they will push the uh, climate change narrative as much as they can. Now, I'm one of those people who really believes climate change is happening. I don't deny that it's happening, but I do think what is happening is that you have various bad actors like the UN, the anti-Semitic, anti-West UN, and the despots that dominated there, and the CCP, who find this very opportunistic uh, climate change that is happening, to take from the from the very poor, you know, the poor working classes who are paying high taxes in Western countries, and sending it over to despots in, in developing countries, where it's supposed to help with climate change, but they are actually squaring it away in Swiss bank accounts. I've written for years on this as well, have all the evidence with this, as well as the fact that the response, the draconian, authoritarian, global response to COVID-19 is connected to the UN's 2030 agenda on sustainable development, which is tied into the climate change agenda. And I would, I mean, I wrote about this five years ago, saying this is a disaster for the world. This would send the world back into a new dark age, because how many ordinary middle class, working class people can truly afford the huge hikes in price of energy to heat their homes and to heat their foods and to heat their hot water to wash their bodies? I mean, this is just an appalling grab of money from the West to, to despots like the Chinese regime. Oh, well, well, there's many questions around that as well. So many questions just in in in, in what you just said. <laughs> yeah, we've got to we've got to look at instances like China produces most of the solar panels for for the world. So there's no doubt that they would push push that kind of narrative. They will push it. They but will push it. For sure. To manu- to manufacture these things, they can't rely on. On renewable energy, they have to resort back back to coal. So it's a bit of a 
bit of a catch twenty two for them. And, and you know, yes. they're gonna push this this narrative they, out there. Are they taking advantage of an existing narrative as in COVID and uh climate change? Or do they have something to do with sparking that that narrative? No, I don't know because I I always go on evidence. So I don't know if it is something that they purposely did or didn't. What I do know with the CCP is that they're highly, highly opportunistic and China comes first for them. They don't care about everybody else. I mean, for example, like a lot of Western countries spend millions, millions on um, foreign aid. China won't do that. China will spend money on China. And in a way, you almost have to admire the fact that this regime puts their own country first. Uh, you know, I have to give that to them. Unlike many Western countries like the UK, that doesn't. Uh, you know, the government in it does not. Um, what I would say that China will also push the narrative in, when it comes to COVID-19 tests and masks. Because if you have a look at where your tests and your masks are made, mainly in China. So they will keep pushing this and they will they have to have a propaganda war on social media. Again, Michael Sanger has covered that. Um, where they will shame or cajole or bully people who don't want to wear a mask or don't want to have a COVID test, etc. Because it benefits China that Westerners are spending billions on COVID tests that don't really work either and on masks that hardly work outside a hospital setting in preventing viruses from being passed from one person to another. But it's just any COVID cultist who's buying lots and lots of masks every day and screaming at people to test every day Sure, enrich in the CCP regime, and do not forget that this is a regime that persecutes Muslims, Jews, and Christians. Yeah, in, indeed it is. And you know, it, I think that deep down, most people know there's something not right with this. Yeah, yet, absolutely. yet the propaganda drive from oh. all sides has been incredible and incredibly effective as well. How, how do how does the general public distinguish between what is propaganda and what is not? I think it's quite difficult, um, I, and this is what I do. I go by evidence. You have to look at evidence, and you have to look at the motivation, and also go by your instinct as well. I mean, my instinct told me the moment I saw photographs of people, you know, dropping dead in China, I just knew something was very wrong. And I think a lot of people instinctively feel that something's very wrong, but are so scared to speak up in case they are shunned, abused. I, I don't blame them. It's not a pleasant experience to have that. But I really encourage people to also look at Waldo Meter, where you have a look at the death rates for COVID. And this is why I don't deny that it's been a, a deadly, horrible, bad flu virus, because just about 5.6 million people have died from it. We don't know if it's with COVID or off COVID because of the faulty tests, but, you know, still of over five and a half million people have died of that, but out of seven billion people. So if you look at that in that perspective, you kind of start to question the narrative that this is the worst disease ever since the Black Death that the media is pushing. And you do start to question why is the destruction of our societies and economies being done like this, where everything is really a social engineering for a virus with a low mortality rate? Why have decades of scientific truth been thrown out for propaganda from the CCP? 
And I would also say that what I've seen here in the UK, and I'm sure this is very applicable to many places in the world, that our government here has spent millions and millions of pounds on buying advertising space in newspapers. They're now the heaviest investors of advertising space in newspapers and websites. I've seen them on YouTube even telling people to obey the lockdown rules, to get their vaccines, to wear their masks. I mean, this is quite a, this is a propaganda war where billions has been wasted on telling people to do something that is actually harmful to them. And I would say that a lot of the mainstream media has been bought by money. And this is exactly what's happened here in the, in the UK, and I am sure in South Africa as well. If right. your funders, yeah, if your funders are the government and the government tells you to say this is the narrative that's only allowed, you'll print that narrative and you won't allow any, any recourse on that. Without a doubt, and that's, it's, it's actually all over the world. We've seen New Zealand, which gave a huge amount of money to, to the media, and many countries around the world yeah. have done the same thing, and even private individuals, such as Bill Gates, also oh, yeah. contributing to, to media, and I'd love to chat, chat about that. You are listening to Dear Parliament with Rob Hutchinson, because democracy doesn't just happen. Indeed, democracy doesn't just happen. Welcome back to 101.9 High FM. Chatting today with Karen Herodin. I think I should call you Karen instead of, instead of Karen. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's actually Karen, but obviously growing up in South Africa, I got called Karen a lot, so either will do. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, Karen slash Karen. <laughs> we, 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 we were chatting early on or before the break about some rather interesting topics there. I think we touched on on something which is quite quite interesting. They're telling the difference between what's propaganda and what's not. Do you want to give us a bit more on on that? Well, I think um, we have a look at I would say the capture of a lot of the mainstream media by governments by organizations like the Gates Foundation. That mm. is something I've covered a lot in my writing. Um, there is, I mean, for example, Reuters has appointed their own fact-checkers, and their fact-checkers are just ridiculous. Uh, never before in a pandemic have we ever needed so-called fact-checkers to tell us what we need to think. This is a propaganda war, and yeah. I would say that there's a lot of bad actors that are invested heavily in keeping the COVID-19 narrative going, the CCP being one of them, the Gates Foundation being another, and the UN being another. Uh, there's a lot of money to be made in the proliferation of the narrative of COVID-19. So where a lot of people, for example, like the BBC in the UK, get a lot of information about COVID, etc., and that the BBC is government funded. One of the worst things that I have experienced in the last years, and the most strange thing is that, you know, over the years I've written about how anti-Semitic the BBC is. It's prolifically anti-Semitic, horrifically biased against Israel. And I have found that a lot of my fellow Jews who have rightly castigated the BBC for its anti-Semitism now believe everything the BBC, BBC, BBC says on COVID. So, for in my mind, is if the BBC is going to lie about one thing over and over and over again, they're going to lie about other things too. And it's been a 
a mystery to me why all of a sudden people who have castigated the BBC for its anti-Semitism suddenly start believing the propaganda, and it's pure propaganda that comes from the BBC. The similar with Sky News in this country. And I think as well, what has happened in this country and in many countries around the world is that behavioral uh, scientists have dominated the, the response to COVID-19. We have our own infamous sage and independent sage who also have connections to the Gates Foundation. I have written on that too. There's lots of evidence in my work with that. It's terrorizing people into thinking if they leave their homes, they're going to drop dead COVID-19. It's cruel and malicious stuff. It's crazy. And I think we've seen that all all over the world. It's, yes, it's, I'm, yes. I'm absolutely fascinated at how easily the human human mind is is to can can be manipulated. Yeah. And especially, 100%. especially in, in times like this where it's uncertainty that, that drives it and that uncertainty creates fear. And we've, mm-hmm. you, you recognize that it, that it's propaganda and it's designed to do that, especially yes. by the behavioral scientists that, that you, that you mentioned there. All yeah. you do, all you do is you create that, that uncertainty by silencing any voice that contradicts yes, the narrative. Yes, exactly. And, and I mean, what? That is, everywhere. You are one of those yeah. voices too. Thank you. <laughs> what I wrote about in TCW in October 2020, I wrote a piece co- uh, uh, saying why so many people believe in the COVID cult. And it is a cult now. It's a quasi-religious cult. Uh, many people are invested in it to a terrible point of detriment and terrible consequences. But people have been terrorized by behavioral scientists and they believe now the propaganda. You have to ask the question, why did there have to be so much propaganda around a virus with a low mortality rate? If it was something like Ebola, I would sort of understand it. But it's a low mortality rate. And I would also say this, is that humans have an instinctive survival mechanism. If you are around somebody that's coughing and sneezing, you're going to put a mask on if you want to, or you're going to walk away from that person. Or if you know there's a deadly virus going around, you don't want to leave your home. You don't need the government to tell you that. But it's not a deadly virus like Ebola. The, the statistics are clear on that. So why? Over the last almost two years, have governments around the world made people think that it's the deadliest plague since the Black Death and that if you so much as, like, touch another human being, you're killing granny? Why have they done that? And these are the questions that I have tried to address in my writings for TCW. And I think you've addressed them well. And I encourage our listeners to actually read your – I see you've done over 222 posts on, on TCW. <laughs> Which is Thank a phenomenal, you. phenomenal amount. You're a pro- prolific writer. There's no doubt about that. And Thank the, the topics are good, succinct and evidence based as well, which is sadly lacking in, in a lot of the propaganda that goes out there. Yet people fall for it, even yes. though there's no evidence behind it. The, the psychology behind it is, is yeah. really astounding. It's, it's, it, no, it absolutely fantastic or fascinating that, uh, opinions overrule factual reporting. Yes, and I think, from the mainstream media. Yeah. I think that's been coming for a long time. Education, particularly in the West, has been dumbed down for years. Feelings count more for than facts, you know, microaggressions, etc. count more for 
scientific and biological evidence. This has been a long time uh, coming, and I think that's why it was so easy to manipulate people. In my piece on the Cobra cult, I, I covered the experiments of Milgram and Festinger, where they had a look at why people obey commands or join cults and I, I found that quite fascinating and quite insightful to read their work because it gave me a clue as to why so many people fell for the what is literally propaganda uh, and it, and why so many people are now stuck in it because as I said earlier COVID now is a quasi-religious cult. It is, and it's that's a it's a brave statement to make. But if you look at the look at the facts, it's it's no yeah. doubt no doubt true, no doubt true. Look, we're gonna take a, a quick break. You are listening to Dear Parliament with Rob Hutchinson, because democracy doesn't just happen. And welcome back to 101.9 High FM. We're chatting today with a fantastic uh, individual. Karen Heredith, sorry, Karen. Karen. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you very much. <laughs> and Karen, this is this is a wonderful conversation. I really do do believe we should this should be part one of possibly two or three conversations that that we should have coming up. If you if you're keen, I'm, I think we should definitely continue this, this conversation in the next in the next show. To. Lovely. <laughs> There's so much to cover here. I, just going through what what you've written about. But in particular, I'd, I'd really like to educate our listeners as to how to identify propaganda, where to get factual sources of news from, uh, who they can trust, and why they, they can trust, and of course why why it's important for them for them to do so. Okay, so my method is always to look at a variety of publications throughout, um, to left to right wing, doesn't matter. Read lots of different media every day. You know, it takes a few minutes just to go through uh, certain newspapers. Have a look. You know, they're all on the online. It doesn't take long. If you're trying to find a particular issue, read several publications from right to left wing on what the issue is. That's the first thing, to get a broader perspective. The second thing is, if you know that it's a state broadcaster or that a particular publication is heavily funded by a government, then you know that what they're putting out is generally propaganda. So look to websites that are not mainstream media, if I may say so, like TCW, that write evidence-based stuff. That And then go to the protagonists themselves. I look at the CCP's own press releases. I look at the Gates Foundation's information on their own website. I, I go, I look at a variety of different sources when I'm writing on a particular subject. And one of my, uh, I would say, tells for me is that if I know a publication, website, media outlet is traditionally anti-Semitic, then I know that what they're saying is probably wrong on everything. So it, it's a, it, it does take a while to kind of sift through the nonsense and the propaganda. But if you read a variety of sources and you stay away from conspiracy theory websites that don't offer evidence and you have a look for evidence yourself, don't go down some black hole conspiracy website, but have a look at the protagonist, the bad actors website themselves. The UN has a huge website, lots of information on there to go through to see what bad information they have there too. So it's a looking at the writer's source. Don't just read the Daily Mail or just the Guardian 
or just the Telegraph, the kind of newspapers in this country. Read them all to get a broader perspective and trust your instincts. If something doesn't sound right to you, if it doesn't read right, then it probably isn't. Oh, I think that's excellent, excellent advice. And if Thank I could add, add on to that, it would be sure. challenge your own narrative. Question, yes. question your own beliefs always. No, don't, don't seek Ex. or do research to validate your opinion, but do research to question your, your opinion because I think, yeah. no matter how hard we try, we all have that inherent bias and we will Absolutely. be swayed to what we want to believe rather than what, what is the truth. But Karen, Karen, <laughs> it's been an absolute wonderful, wonderful chat and a, a wonderful, wonderful uh, in- interview and, and talk with you. Mm. Please, may we continue this next week if you Please, have, have availability. To. Let's, yeah, let's I'll do double it. Check, I'll double check my diary. I think I should be okay. I'll text you after the show. I just want to say thank you very much for having me on your show. It's been a real privilege and I'm grateful. Thank you.